0: Hi, my name is Elena and I'm welcoming you to my podcast about student life, the student's voice. Uh, today we have the pleasure to meet Samuel, uh, he did a BA in English Literature at University of Iceland. Welcome here.
1: Thanks for having me Elena.
0: Um, so, I'd like to start this conversation with a quotation from English literature. <laughs> cool. um, C. F. Lewis says, literature adds to reality, it does not simply describe it. It enriches the necessary competencies that daily life requires and provides. And in this respect, it irrigates the deserts that our lives have already become. What do you think about this quotation?
1: Yeah. Well, what I take most from it is he's talking about the inspiration that literature can provide us in that when we read stories, we take from that ideas of how we want to live our own lives. And I think really he's, because literature is, I guess what I would describe as like hyper-reality. Like it's not necessarily, you know, obviously in the case of Chronicles of Narnia, it's not real, but it's hyper-real because it's the exaggerated version of you know, humanity, like all the emotions are heightened and the experiences are heightened. So it's like the most extreme version of what we can imagine. I think fantasy literature in particular kind of offers that. And so, yeah, I would say, and speaking personally as well, stories have been a big inspiration for me because it sort of shows us the kind of, for me, it shows me the kind of person I want to be. Like when I read about the protagonists in the chronicles of narnia which i have read i think well they're really brave they're really good at facing challenges and overcoming them and i think well that's how i want to be so Mm
0: -hmm. so it's like searching for some identities in stories like searching for yourself in stories or searching for other people
1: yeah for sure and i think really in order for a novel to be successful you have to be able to identify with the character right even if they're I don't know if I can swear uh (laughs) Uh,
0: even
1: if even if if they're not not a nice person you know like even if they're a bad person Mm -hmm. you have to be able to find something that you can identify with Mm -hmm. otherwise the story is just boring isn't it so like I think every every good book you'll have some identifiable qualities the character will have some identifiable qualities Mm so yeah Mm mm-hmm
0: but do you actually think that it's important to identify in every situation?
1: Not necessarily every situation, but I guess to, to, to see that it's possible, like that you can empathize with the character, right? That, mm-hmm. like, let's say when, like Harry Potter or whatever, you know, that character is faced with a situation, you don't have to think, well, I would have acted that way, but you can understand why he acted that way. Mm-hmm. If you don't with a character, then I, th- I think really there's a disconnect. I don't think, I don't think I could endure a novel in which I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to connect with the character.
0: Mm-hmm. So you wanted to say that it's more about understanding people or characters, not, not about identifying.
1: Well, identifying in the sense of, you know, we, we all have like light and dark and we all have, we're not just boxes, right? We have more than like four sides. So mm-hmm. like, you know, as I said, even though not necessarily we would take the same action, we would behave the same, but that but that we can understand why they took that action and we can recognize that in ourselves, there is that potential to commit that action, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: So like having different possibilities of reality
1: yeah for sure that's what reading literature like fiction stories yeah. is all about right Is because we're we're only ever going to experience one life and even though in our lifetime we can be different people you know because living 80 90 is a long time you can change who you, who you are definitely but we're we're never going to go to a wizard in school we're never going to go through a wardrobe into a magical world so this gives us the opportunity to to imagine other forms of reality.
0: Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, Let's talk a bit about yourself. Uh, Where are you from? Uh, What are you doing in life?
1: Cool, okay. So yeah, I'm from England originally, but I've lived in Iceland for over three years now. So I came Mm -hmm. here to do my BA in English and one of the best decisions I ever made because I mean, two reasons, a few reasons. One is I really love Iceland, it's awesome. Two, one of my criteria for studying, I knew I wanted to do a degree in something related to English, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to have to pay for it because I don't think we should have to pay for university. Mm-hmm. So I just Googled countries that have free tuition and Iceland came up as an option. And the uh, university here, the public one had the most perfect English degree. It was in the first year, a mixture of literature and linguistics. And then after that, you got to choose which area you wanted to focus on. And I'm all about literature, as you can tell. So yeah, I did that and I got to do a hell of a lot of reading, a hell of a lot of writing and I was able to expand my skill set and yeah, it was a really good decision. I learned a lot and I I did pretty good. And so now my goal, like going forward is I have my own podcast. So that's what I do as well. Mm -hmm. I podcast about novels and I also write. So really Mm -hmm. the aim is to just be a full-time writer and podcaster. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but what do you actually write? Do you write novels, research papers?
1: I mean, it's it's kind of a mixture. So I, I write, because I've travelled a lot, before I came to Iceland, I lived in a bunch of different countries, and I like to write about my experiences to, to mm-hmm. inspire and advise other travellers. So I write about my travels on my website, And but in the last year or so, it's really been, yeah, focusing on fiction. So I did write my own novel in I guess, 2019, 2020, 2021, it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of like stopping and starting throughout school. And um, I finished it. And so now just the work is to get it published and continue editing it to improve it.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: hopefully soon the, <laughs> the listeners will be able to read my, to buy mm-hmm. and read my novel. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and what is your novel about?
1: It's, it's actually very similar to the Chronicles of Narnia. Funnily enough, it, whenever I send it to agencies, I liken it to that novel because it's about a bunch of children that end up in a parallel world in which they encounter magical creatures and they have to overcome challenges and even they're faced with potential death at times. So, yeah, it's very similar to Chronicles of Narnia. I don't want to say too much because it's in development, but uh, there's magic and there's uh, creatures that, you know, (laughs) that don't exist, like unicorns and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I see. So, as far as a saw, I, I think that you like fiction, like more fantasy, I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's definitely been one of my like top genres, especially in the last few years. I've always been a massive fan of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and and of Harry Potter. But I've mm-hmm. I've read quite widely. I would say anything that's good, I'll read. Some of my favorite authors are people like George Orwell, who maybe the listeners have heard of. He's a an author from the UK who wrote. I suppose they call it dystopian fiction, and he's a genius and one of my favourite authors. Uh, Yeah, so a very wide range.
0: I see. I actually listened to your podcast about George Orwell. Cool, thanks. (laughs) It was a very interesting podcast, I think, especially in today's context, because we face a lot of problems on a political level, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's why I wanted to record these podcasts over the last uh, year is because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, George Orwell's novels were written quite a long time ago. And I think the problem with our generation is we've forgotten the lessons that George Orwell was trying to teach us because these books came out in the 40s and the 50s. And so Mm -hmm. our parents probably would have read them. But a lot of people in our generation haven't read these books. And so they they've forgotten, like, this is what happened in World War Two and it can happen again. And we don't want to make the mistake of thinking that we've evolved beyond that because we haven't. So it's important to read those books because it reminds us this is how humans can be at their worst. And it's up to each of us to not, you know, not be that way. So
0: Yeah, so like being aware of um, I don't know, of different authors, different contexts, different and different perspectives about the world, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's the great thing. I mean, you could read a book every week for the rest of your life, and you wouldn't even have got 0.1% of all the possible Mm -hmm. books there are to read. One thing I really like as well, and I I mean, I don't know if if everyone does this, but you know, there are are these really famous books that were not originally in English, like War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, a -hmm. Russian author. His book would probably be pretty important to read right now. So I read the English translation, and it's one of the best Mm -hmm. books I've ever read. And it has a lot to teach us even now it was written I don't know how many 150 years ago I think it was written but it's Mm -hmm. it's, there's so much it could teach us so one thing I like to do as well is read books that weren't originally in in English because it's a different perspective so yeah Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, what do you like in particular about your field like about English literature
1: for me and this is why I started the podcast because when I was doing my degree I realized that there are lessons I can extract from reading these stories. I mean, let's take like 1984 by George Orwell was like the best example. And that when you read that, you, you think, okay, this is like, you can see how humanity, because it's it's a true story in the sense of its based off of what, of what was happening in the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany and stuff. and But it's a fictionalized account. And, and what it shows us is this, what, this is what's possible. And this is how you can, aim to be the best human being you can be and these kind of things it's basically just daily okay. lessons that I think we can extract from reading stories but at the same time I think it's just I've never been more entertained than when reading a great story like when I when Harry Potter was still coming out when mm-hmm. I was a kid I just I couldn't wait for the next book to come out I was so excited mm-hmm. and I know that most kids in England and maybe around the world felt the same way I did. Mm-hmm
0: um i see what do you would you like to do later on
1: i mean the focus really going forward is is two things yeah podcasting and writing so i'd like to just continue writing and, and get books published uh a, a good mm-hmm. publishing company and uh, and continue on and then just inspire future writers and, and readers and as i said like some of my biggest inspirations have come from reading stories so i just want to pass that on to people
0: Mm-hmm. So you, actually, you are actually saying that you are inspiring from other authors, not from something more external, like the external world.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the authors that I, that I know about, <laughs> there's a, when, you, when you read a story and you think about how much effort must, must have gone into, first of all, creating that. And because I've written a novel now, I know how much time it takes. Like for someone like J.R. Tolkien, who I'm not comparing myself to, the man's a genius, but the amount of time that it took for him to create his world and to, and to tell the story in such a way that it, there are m- hundreds of millions of people around the world that can, that can appreciate it and that get joy mm. out of it. Like mm. I'm inspired by him. If I can even like get a tenth of, of where he's gone in terms of being an author, I'd consider myself a success. So, yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, I see. Are you passionate about research and in which topics?
1: Good question. I definitely was when I did my degree and, you know, a large part of it was was conducting, was writing essays about Mm -hmm. like we'd have a list of books that we read throughout the semester and we'd have to pick a a discussion topic and a book and, and kind of explore that. So I enjoyed that part of it because it, it allowed me to read more critically or encouraged me to read more critically. Like Rather than just reading the story and thinking, oh, you know, this, this is fun. This is a good scene. It's more like, well, what does this mean? Like, what can we take from this? And also what are the multiple ways of interpreting it? And that's what my podcast is about is every uh, episode, I take a different book and I discuss it with someone of, okay, you know, there's this, there's this story on the surface, which is, let's say, this person likes this person or hates this person. Well, what's beyond that? What's the symbols? What's Mm -hmm. the metaphors and so on? So I like it in that that respect.
0: So uh, you like to see what's the message behind the story?
1: Exactly, because if it's a good, if it's a well-written story, there's so much more than just what you see on the surface. Like my most recent podcast was about Lord of the Flies which is a novel about a group of young boys that just get yeah. trapped on a desert island. Yeah, you've heard about it. Really great book. But the thing is, is like, that's like maybe the 10%, that's like the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg of the story is they're trapped on an island. There's so much more to it. And, and I spoke to a, uh, a really intelligent young lady who helped me to break it down. And we mm-hmm. kind of discovered together that there's like way more to it than that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really all a metaphor for how British society was functioning at that time mm-hmm. during uh, during the war,
0: World War Two. Uh, I see, but my question is, why do you like to get the truth through stories, and not uh, the message directly? Because um, if you read, for example, science or the media, you can. I, I think that you can take the information about, as you said, about the Soviet Union directly without having the story. So, what's the yeah. game here?
1: That's a, that's a great question. And I did, I thought about that a lot in the last year, because obviously I've thought, like, why am I doing this? Like, when you can read a history book or a science book that will tell you the answer. Well, if you look at, like, textbooks, and I don't want to, I'm not, like, dis- in disrespecting textbooks, but they sell 1,000th or 1 millionth of the number of copies that a literature book, even mm-hmm. about the same subject. Let's say a textbook about World War Two versus a story a fiction novel which centers around world war ii i'm actually reading one right now like that will sell a million times more copies because it's easier to absorb like as and and i find myself because i've read some historical fiction and i wouldn't have gone on online or into a into a textbook and read Mm -hmm. about these initially but then once i've read the story Mm -hmm. a fictionalized account of it and it's so well-written, that I think, okay, now I want to know more about what the story is based on. So then I do go back and research it. So mm-hmm. I think that as humans, we, it's, it's easier for us to, to kind of absorb stories than it is to absorb facts. We think mm-hmm. we're rational creatures, but we're really not, we're emotional. And so you, we need to appeal to our emotions in order to kind of absorb things. And which is why people would rather read a novel, most people would rather read a novel than read a textbook it doesn't mean you can't read both because they complement each other but mm-hmm. yeah that's my take on it
0: yeah so you feel that it's more entertaining if you read a story about the historical about the historical events than reading a history book uh presenting these historical events
1: i would say more entertaining but also uh, as i said it's easier to absorb because because then you can relate to the story more. If you just read in a textbook, I'm gonna make up numbers here, like X number of millions of people died in World War II. Well, that's obviously terrible, but how can you relate to that number? Whereas if you read a story where you follow five characters who are directly involved in the war, and let's say they all die, which, which would be statistically likely, then you really feel it. Then you really feel like, wow, I feel like I was there. And I feel like I'm taking part in these people's journeys. It's not just numbers on a page or statistics or or even like a description of events. Like you can describe an event and people won't necessarily be able to, to kind of feel it. But when you say, okay, this character's called John and he was in the trenches in World War One and you know, now I'm gonna tell you about how his wife at home is missing him and, and this yeah. kind of thing, then you start to feel it. Cause as I said, you've got to appeal to a person's emotions for them to be interested. So
0: uh did you actually want to say that literature is more personal than textbooks
1: yeah for sure yeah uh, definitely because a textbook is a textbook is designed to give you the facts which is great it does the job of that and there's nothing wrong with that but -hmm. the fact is that when you read literature it's designed to it's designed to evoke a response an emotional response and if it doesn't do that then it's failed as a novel so Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I see. Uh, Let's move to other topics. Uh, I'd like to ask you about your studying tips and tricks. What do you do when you have a lot to study?
1: Cool. Yeah, good. I mean, I I would say that I used, there were some tricks that I used or some kind of methods that made a huge difference. The most important thing for me, this is how I work, is having a structure. So every like Saturday or Sunday evening, I'd make a schedule for the next week of what I needed to complete when it comes to assignments and reading for classes and tests and all this kind of thing. So every week I'd make sure I have this this list. And for each course, I had like a separate list of what exactly I had to accomplish that week and the deadlines and so on. And then once it's completed, highlight it in green so I know it's finished. And I make sure I did that religiously every week so that I never missed anything. And I never missed any deadlines, I'm going to say that. <laughs> Second of all, uh, never miss a class. Unless you're sick, which is fair enough, and obviously a lot of people are sick at the moment, never ever skip a class, because that might be the class where you needed that information for the exam. So in my three years, I missed one class because I was sick. Other than that, never missed any classes. Mm-hmm. So don't ever, don't ever make an excuse of like i'm tired or i went out late last night well that's your fault don't go out late if you don't think you're going to miss the class i know this sounds harsh with people and you know you're young and you want to party but that priority one for school should be studying and then priority two should be socializing and having fun so it doesn't mean you can't have fun but school's got to be the the first priority Mm -hmm. so yeah don't ever miss a class unless you're sick
0: (laughs) <laughs> so as i understand you were a very good student because you to all your classes you were very organized
1: yeah i'd say so i mean i got uh, I, I don't want to brag but i, I you know i got like so in, in iceland the grades go from one to ten right <laughs> for each course and my grade average overall was 9.19 so i did pretty good Congrats. but it's because i worked hard like it's not because i'm intelligent or anything it's because i was extremely focused and i worked extremely hard and i guess my last point would be you've got you've got to be passionate about what you're studying because mm-hmm. if you and I'm, there are a lot of people that drop out of uni in their first year because it isn't what they thought it was going to be and that's fine my recommendation for the listeners would be like don't go straight from whatever version of your college is or high school don't go straight to uni take one or two gap years to find out exactly what you're passionate about rather than what your parents or your teachers have told you you should do think about what you really want to and i didn't start school until i was 26 because that's how long it took me to realize okay what what is it i love doing and what do i want to learn more about literature and writing and reading and that kind of thing so and then i guess just sorry just to ramble on but my last point is expect your first year to be less fun and yeah, less fun than you expected, because the way I understand it, everyone's first year at university is very broad. They will teach you like a foundation of a lot of different topics. Mm-hmm. And then from the second year onwards is when you can focus more on your particular level of interest. So, yeah, like just push through the first year, get it done, and then it will be more fun after that, I assure you.
0: Okay. Um, you actually talked about having fun and partying. Um, how do you relax?
1: I mean, my thing's always been exercise. So as soon as I arrived in Iceland, I got a job at a gym. And that's where I spent, when I wasn't studying or hanging out with friends, I'd be at the gym all the time. That's my thing. And, and now I'm a coach there and I, I run marathons and stuff like that. So that's my catharsis, is just exercise in various forms.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you consider yourself as an active person?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Okay
0: um are you uncertain about your future
1: yeah i am but i think it's like a healthy level of uncertainty because i know where i want to go and i know vaguely how to get there but obviously there's that gap in between of like well i'm not there yet i'm currently here so how do i get from that a to b well that's not always certain because you never know what life's going to throw at you but i know what i have to do for the most part to get there
0: Mm um how does a normal a normal day in your life look like
1: well okay so now i'm studying at the same university i'm studying icelandic so i'm still in school i wake up early if it's not a day with early lectures i'll go for a run (laughs) and then spend the rest of the day i have a couple of jobs as well so i'll either be working or i'll be studying for most of the day go to the gym in the evenings normally and uh yeah. And then meals come in between. I save my socializing for the weekends, really. So I, And maybe this is a good advice for other students, like try to have Monday to Friday where you're just getting stuff done, whether it's working. You know, if you've got a part time job, that's obviously going to be varied shifts. But if you're working during the week or studying during the week, like do that. Focus just on that Monday to Friday. Save the parties for the Friday nights and the Saturday nights. And uh, yeah. Yeah make sure you've got all your work done before you go to a party so yeah
0: mm-hmm. um i see did you ever have problems with studying
1: there were times where it did feel overwhelming because there, there was just so much to get done within a short space of time i wouldn't say problems because as i said i was well organized but like when the final exams came around and I think within like a kind of one week period you have four or five exams and then obviously you've got to manage your time so that you're studying for all of them preparing for all of them properly so it was a struggle during the final exam period in each semester but as I said be organized and if you've gone to every class and you've really paid attention then the knowledge is already in your head you just have to kind of bring it back to the surface by revising so yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand. Um, do you think that the pandemic had a negative uh, effect on your student life?
1: 100% yeah so my final uh, my final semester of my BA was pretty much all online and that actually my final year yeah was pretty much all online and, and that sucked I really don't like uh, having to study and attend a class over the, okay. the internet I think that's it's not how we're supposed to learn as humans so it, yeah it definitely dropped my motivation i i mean it looks like it's over now but let's say if this does happen in the future for the the future students just stick to a schedule again make sure you're attending every class mm-hmm. and uh, and that you're somewhere where you can you can engage because I think the problem is, is and I, I've been guilty of this. Like you, you sit on your bed and you, the lecture's going on, but your camera's off. So you just kind of start to drift off or whatever. Just be engaged, answer the questions, take part. And that also applies to class time as well. Like don't be sitting on Facebook when class is happening. Engage with a teacher, listen to what they're saying. But yeah, it really wasn't fun, mate. And uh, I'm very glad that it's over now in Iceland. They're very glad We don't have any restrictions here mm. now when... I'm going to leave it there. I don't want to get too political. Uh,
0: which book would you recommend to a student or to a young man? To young men? Yeah, or someone just uh, starting university or someone just searching for his ideal career or program. or study okay, Well, there's,
1: there's one book above all else I think every person should read so it's not a fiction novel but it's it's incredible it's called 12 rules for life by jordan peterson so he's a canadian psychologist who he's done a lot of lectures online he has his own podcast and he's basically trying to help people as you say to figure out what they want to do with their lives and so the 12 rules for life is things to help you get your act together stop making excuses Stop mm-hmm. blaming other people for things that aren't going well in your life. Like you have to take personal responsibility. That's really the main message. Take personal responsibility. It's not your fault what's happened to you, but it's your responsibility to do something about it. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 12 words for Life, Jordan Peterson. One of the best books ever written. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so I- I'd like to read this book and I, I will check it. Um, I have another question, this is a more like tough question, uh, how, is inspiration, how is inspiration born? Uh, how do you get inspir- inspiration for your writings for example?
1: Well I mean my writing specifically, it's, it's fun, it sounds funny but it comes from dreams a lot of the time, so yeah. the novel that I wrote actually I had a dream which basically was the first half of that novel Goodness knows how I thought about it. I think it was probably a collection of a 100 stories that I've read or seen in films in the past, and I just mm. coagulated them into this, into this original story that I then wrote. Uh, inspiration more generally, I mean, speaking personally, and I think for a lot of people, it comes from role models. So you see someone live in a certain way, and you want to emulate that. It doesn't mean you want to be them or even be like them, but you want to live that kind of lifestyle so to give an example there's a, a famous uh, athlete called david goggins so he's run multiple uh, ultra marathons which is a marathon that's longer yeah. than a marathon he's run lots of those and he's constantly shouting it because he like, as he runs he gets his wife to record him like yelling at the camera saying like stop being lazy get up and get it done give more than 40 percent." and you know this kind of thing and it really gets me pumped up because i think you know, I, I don't want to be David Goggins, I don't want to run the kind of races yeah. that he runs, but I do want to push myself beyond what I think is possible, mm-hmm. and this is what got me into marathon running, was listening to him and saying, okay, yeah. I've always wanted to run a marathon, but I haven't ever committed, so, you know, effort. I'm just going to commit and get it done, and I ran two marathons last year, so I think, like, finding role models who live the lifestyle that you want to live, you, you know, yeah. it can be things... Not necessarily to look like them or to act like them, but if you see that they have traits and skills mm-hmm. that you want, then see what they do and emulate it. Uh,
0: what do you think about influencers? They are some kind of role models nowadays.
1: Uh, social media influencers, you mean?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I, won't, I won't lie to you mate, I think it's stupid. I think it's, it's not a real job. And I think they need to do something more meaningful with their lives. Now, having said that, it depends, you know, how you define it, because this guy, David Goggins, Goggins, I'm talking about, he has like 5 million followers on Instagram. And that's how we get, um, you know, that's how people get, because he wrote a book and he self-published it. And it sold like 5 million copies just from being self-published mm-hmm. because people went onto his Instagram and they saw his message. And he, he, he would never just post a video of him talking, you know, in a restaurant. It would be during or after a workout then he's giving you a message of like stop being lazy get up and get Mm -hmm. it done so I suppose you could describe him as an influencer but he's delivering a real message that's really going to benefit people so those kind of influences if we're calling them that I think they have something really valuable to offer because it is offering inspiration and motivation and guidance so Mm -hmm. there's that but then if you're just going to post selfies all the time that's not a real job so yeah
0: yeah (laughs) I, I can actually agree. I don't like social media influencers. I, <laughs> cool. I <don't> like <laughs> so I'm just sometimes I'm just scrolling through these uh, Instagram pages, and I'm like, okay, there is a new influencer, but what is this? Is this actually a job, or I don't understand. I don't get it. So
1: <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm glad we're on the same page. I mean, my you know, I've only, I've just started becoming active on Instagram to promote my podcast and really my focus always is is what i'm posting offering real value to people because if it's just like a picture of me i don't know topless whatever like okay it's cool people see i have you know i have a physique i work i train a lot whatever but like am i giving them a positive message am i doing something to inspire or advise them so i think that's what speaking to all the social media influencers are listening make sure you're offering something of real value to your followers and your listeners and stuff
0: Uh, Yes, Uh, you actually said that you wrote uh, about your travels, Uh, and I'm really curious about uh, what did you write about your travels, about the people, about the places?
1: So I've got like kind of two main sections on my website. One is the individual countries I've traveled to, it kind of offers Mm -hmm. advice on what's good to do there or how to get there. Or so to give an example, I did a working holiday at two, I did one in New Zealand and one in Canada. So it was kind of real practical advice about how to get a job there, what kind of jobs to get, where are good places to work and uh, and stuff like that. And then I've also got a blog, which is more general. And it, I in it, I described my experiences of, okay, I was living in this one hostel at this one time in New Zealand for like three months. And I made a really good group of friends who I did a lot of stuff with. And it was about, the blog post was about finding a community. So it's more general advice and more practical advice, but it's all about when we start traveling, when we're young, like I kind of think what are things that I would like to have known that no one told me? Cause when I started traveling, I didn't know anyone who had done what I did. I just kind of made it up as I went along, mm-hmm. but, you know, cause I don't want to sound like an old man, but when I was a bit younger, you know, there were blogs and you know facebook and this kind of thing but i wasn't interested in all that i just wanted to cut off and, and travel and get rid of the mm-hmm. no technology just go and travel but now you know things are different Every, all the kids have got smartphones so i think being able to google you know uh, how do i find a good job in canada or where, where's a good place to work in canada or a good ski resort mm-hmm. and they come up with my uh, my blog post and they say okay like you know this guy's actually done it so he can give mm-hmm. us some good advice mm-hmm.
0: Uh, how important is traveling to you?
1: It's given me some of the, the most valuable experiences and lessons that I've ever had. If I hadn't have been on the road as much as I was and lived in all these countries, I I wouldn't be definitely as rounded as a person as I am today. You know, like when I was a kid, as every kid, I you know, I was just an idiot. <laughs> like every 18, 19, 20-year-old is an idiot. It might be hard to accept, but... <laughs> and then then you learn because we kind of think we know it all when we're that age and then when you travel and you meet people that are older and more experienced and and have made some great mistakes and learn from them you think wow well I I don't know anything and if you've got an open mind then you learn from these people so Mm -hmm. it really well that you know so there's the personal part where I met some people that really were incredible role models and like teachers Mm -hmm. mentors and then there's also the fact of when you come from like a small island like the UK and then I was living in Canada, this huge country, and living in New Zealand and living in Thailand. I was in Hawaii and all mm-hmm. these places, Iceland. And you see volcanoes erupting in glaciers. and uh, You know, you're snowboarding massive mountains. And you think, wow, like there's so much to experience. So mm-hmm. for one thing, it showed me what my real passions are. Because when you grow up and you just spend all your time in one country, you have like a limited perspective. There's mm-hmm. only so much that you can experience in that one country. But when you travel, you see okay, so it is possible to be like a full-time yoga teacher if I want to, or it is possible to be a snowboard instructor. Like I didn't start snowboarding until I was 20. And then I qualified as an instructor when I was uh, 25, I guess. I can't remember exactly, but, you know, but then mm-hmm. when I was 20, i had never snowboarded. So I, I didn't, I didn't even know what it was like. So it's about introducing yourself to those experiences that your home country doesn't necessarily offer.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you perceive your life as an expat in Iceland uh, do you notice any differences between uh, your culture and the Icelandic culture
1: yeah there's a lot of differences for one okay. thing it's a lot safer the UK is has quite a high crime rate and so my hometown where I'm from is uh, maybe violent is an exaggeration but it's, it can be quite rough whereas mm. Iceland does statistically iceland has the lowest crime rate in the world it's a very mm-hmm. safe place to live it's wonderful to be able to walk through the street at any time and, and always feel safe it's not to say that things don't happen but it's way different than where i'm from and then things like the seasons and the weather you mm-hmm. know we have 24 hours of darkness basically in the winter and then 24 hours of daylight in the summer so that's pretty awesome last year we had a, an erupting volcano and you're not going to get that in the uk so uh Yeah, like Iceland's kind of pretty chill a lot of the time, but then when something big happens, like a volcano eruption, like everyone just goes nuts because it's like, wow, let's go and look at the volcano. So Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. Uh, And how did you get used to 24 hours of dark during the winter?
1: Uh, (laughs) You have to, I think the important thing is i just maintained tried to maintain a consistent sleeping pattern so i didn't let it i tried not to let it affect when i woke up and when i went to sleep and that's important to maintain throughout the year for me it was actually harder to get used to the 24 hours of daylight like my first summer here i remember that sometimes i'd be up at three o'clock in the morning and i didn't feel tired because i'm looking out my window and the sun's still up so like you know your body's telling you like you don't need to sleep because it's daylight so Mm -hmm. that that was harder to get used to for me was the the constant daylight Mm -hmm. but the consistency (laughs) helped having having thick curtains
0: (laughs) yeah um you talked by the way about dreams and what are dreams
1: oh wow uh (laughs) i guess they're they're just kind of your unconscious mind i think that's the correct term your unconscious mind is just trying to sort out all the things that are in your that are like you know in your neurons and in your brains and stuff like in your brain. So yeah, there's just, there's so much information in there, most of which we we aren't even aware that we remember, but it's in there somewhere. And I guess our brains just like just like mushing it up at night. There's definitely a coherence, you know, the fact that like you know, and again, Jordan Peterson, the guy I talked about, whose book I recommend, he's a, a therapist. He was a therapist, and he places a lot of value in dreams because there's in some cases and I guess this is what Freud talked about Mm -hmm. your dreams are trying to tell you something that either you're not willing to admit to yourself when you're awake or that you can't necessarily articulate so the Mm -hmm. dreams are kind of telling you like this you've got to do something about this I don't know Mm -hmm. like if you keep dreaming about an ex uh, in like a negative way well it obviously means you haven't dealt with those emotions so you need to deal with them and uh Yeah, but I mean, speaking personally, for me, it's just great story inspiration. So, (laughs) yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Do you think that there is a certain relationship between dreams and stream of consciousness?
1: Can you define a stream of consciousness, just so I'm clear on what you Um, mean by it?
0: No, I meant stream of consciousness in literature, because you see, for example, novels like Jane Joyce's The Portrait of a Young Man, or Virginia Woolf, they're all writing in stream of consciousness. and It's like you're having uh, a picture of their minds uh, where there is no coherence, and I meant, uh, is stream of consciousness related to dreams, is this stream of consciousness a dream? Or what okay.
1: Cool. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> I mean, I'll start off by saying I, I don't really like stream of consciousness mm-hmm. novels. I just think they they're not fun to read. I, I don't like Virginia Woolf's writing. I won't lie to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I because for me it's like that's because how are when we're just thinking and talking on a regular basis that stream of consciousness is just jumbled, isn't it? So you know, ideally, if you're a functioning human by the time it gets to your mouth, it's kind of like yeah. been filtered, right? So you don't just say everything that's in your mind, you filter in yeah. it. So, mm-hmm. but that's the difference in dreams, right? Is dreams are that dream of consciousness where there's no filter, anything's possible. And you just mm-hmm. kind of say what whatever comes to you in the dream or whatever. But uh, But I do find it a very, it's a great way to start writing. Like when I'm first writing a story, then I will just let it kind of flow. But then that's mm-hmm. the purpose of editing like i really don't think there's any great author that's ever just written a first draft and gone yeah Mm -hmm. that'll do like it doesn't happen they write the first draft and they just write in a stream of consciousness of like whatever i'm thinking just goes down on the page or on the laptop and you finish the first draft and then you maybe take some time away Mm -hmm. and then you go back and think okay like that might that might have sounded good when i wrote it initially or Mm -hmm. it might it might have been good in my head but when i'm reading it it's garbage so uh yeah it's a helpful kind of step on the path of writing but uh, yeah it's not not the final step definitely not Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, would you like to add something in the end of this conversation
1: yeah i would say well as i said before just to like reiterate a few points for those people that are listening that are kind of on the fence about what to study there's no harm in taking some time to to kind of explore first I would recommend like if you are 18 19 20 and coming out of whatever your version of high school is like just travel for a couple of years I think the world is at the place right now or will be this year where we can travel freely again so take a year or two uh, Mm -hmm. and work in other places and try and meet as many people as you can Mm -hmm. be social try out new activities and develop new skills because you may find that that degree in accounting or whatever that you wanted Mm -hmm. to do now doesn't appeal to you at all so Uh, don't jump straight into new school there's the great thing about most universities is there's no age limit you you don't have to start when you're 21 Uh, those student loans and whatever are always going to be there and do Mm -hmm. your research like what it was as I said one of the best decisions for me to study abroad I don't ever uh, (laughs) I don't want to live in the UK I don't want to study in the UK and so I just googled what countries have free tuition what's on offer and there were so many options for me so Um, don't think that you're limited to staying in your home country you could study anywhere in the world if you want to
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I see I'd like to conclude this uh, podcast with a few remarks on what you said Um, I'd like to pick up on the stuff that I found interesting you talked about literature as hyperreality as a heightened emotions like a way of expressing your most extreme, I should say, emotions, emotions that are possible, things that uh, are possible only in the world of literature. Um, I I found this idea uh, interesting, but I wouldn't necessarily say that literature is hyperreality. I think that literature is more another version of the minds not the reality, because sometimes we, I don't know, we don't see literature as a reality, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a good point, but then it kind of depends how you define real, isn't it? Like, you know, like they say when you're, I'm just gonna throw out there, when I was reading Harry Potter number six, and and this is a spoiler alert, Dumbledore died, and I cried. Now, was that emotion real? Of course it was real, even though what was happening wasn't real. It's, in fact, Dumbledore says something exactly mm. like this to Harry. He says, of course, it's happening in your head, but why does that make it not real? And so the emotion that I felt was very real. I felt like I'd lost a grandfather when Dumbledore mm. died. And I know a lot of kids did as well. So in a way, it is is—it is real. Like, why, why, why is that emotion not real? You know, like, I, mm. I still cried and I still felt sad. So even though the event wasn't real, the emotion that it created definitely was.
0: Yeah, uh, this um, continues, actually, the, my next remark about uh, the conversation that we had. Uh, you talked about empathy and understanding other people's behaviors. Uh, it's, it's kind of the same idea because you said emotion and empathy. So feeling um, some kind of, I don't know, understanding from, for the characters, I think. Uh, You also saw that you wrote about your travels and I found that interesting. Uh, I'm also a person that likes to travel and that did some international experiences and I'm passionate about different cultures, about um, interculturality, for example, and um, yeah, this is definitely a topic that I liked. Um, you also talked about different perspectives on humanity and taking lessons from reading stories. Um, yeah, I, I think that literature definitely has a moral, some kind of moral value. We learn some lessons from literature. And you actually said that we can learn from travels as well and from people. Um, another thing that uh, caught my attention was reading more critically, engage with the teacher, uh, I think that this is, um, I don't know, these this, this ideas encourage students to participate in class and to do something more active and to reflect more on what they actually do than just parroting the information that they have heard in class. It's more about, um, I don't know, finding this information in yourself, not parroting the teacher, I suppose.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well said, mate.
0: So going, I don't know how to explain, but just um, taking this information and just um, going with this information through yourself. Um, You also said that... um, it's easier to absorb a story than a history book, for example, and I agree with that because I think that literature has definitely this, um, I don't know, this power to keep us entertained and to keep us reading this story because we like it. Um, You also said that um, we relate to a story And I think that literature uh, has a lot to do with uh, identity, empathy, um, stuff like that. Um, You also said that uh, related to your study, I don't know, studying trips and tricks, you said that um what really helped you was making the schedule never missing classes being passionate about what you are doing and um you also mentioned that uh, having a gap year for example can be fruitful for students it's not very bad as many parents say because w- I-, I feel that whenever we tell our parents that we are taking a gap year they are just like no this is very bad uh, you shouldn't because then you wouldn't go to university anymore because you will get used to this uh, free lifestyle and things like that uh, but i could agree that the gap here is not bad because you can reflect more on yourself on what you want to do um another Interesting discussion that we had was related to uh, to inspiration, not to literature. And we, you said that you took your inspiration for writing that novel from dreams. Uh, and I'm also, for example, I'm also writing poetry. And yes. I found this discussion uh, really interesting because I never thought about. Um, what inspires me for example when i write and i have a very different style to be honest uh you said that you take inspiration from other authors and dreams uh, for example um i have a different manner uh i'm kind of i don't know it may sound really strange but i'm kind of visionary i just see words on a paper, and then I think about, uh, I don't know how to say, I, I think about all the possibilities that I have with these uh, words, and I think about the meanings, the hidden meanings of these words, of the hidden meanings of these words in my mind. I don't know if you understand. Uh...
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, so it's, yeah, so it was kind of uh, different to learn about your writing, I don't know, your writing style, your writing, um, the way in which you write your stories. Um, And what I also find interesting is the fact that you said that you didn't want to study in the UK and I completely understand because studying in the UK is very expensive. I had the same experience uh, and I went to France. So I did uh, pretty much the same thing as you. I just found that France was cheaper than the UK. So thank you you very much for this uh, conversation and I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and good luck with uh, what you want to do in the future.
1: Thanks, mate. If people want to hear my podcast, um, it's called The Fictional Podcast. It's on Spotify Mm -hmm. and Apple and all those different servers and YouTube. So yeah, The Fictional Podcast and I'm on Instagram, also The Fictional Podcast. Thanks, mate.
0: Thank you. You listened to the student's voice. Thanks for listening and I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Don't hesitate to follow me on social media in order to catch with the next episode. Bye.